0: Hey, it's me again. I'm continuing to talk about the Epic of Gilgamesh. Enkidu's cursing madness and visions of hell is not unlike how in the Roman poet Ovid's Metamorphoses, the Greek hero Heracles, dying after a life of inhumanly extraordinary achievements and hardships, the Greek hero extensively curses the gods for his tragic ending. Nonetheless, Heracles was later made a god as the greatest hero of all time. Enkidu and Gilgamesh, however, does not meet with the same fate. Enkidu was calmed down with promises of honours after his death, and he dies. Here, Gilgamesh's sentiments of loss are conveyed movingly. He, Gilgamesh, covered, like a bride, the face of his friend. Like an eagle he circled around him. Like a lioness deprived of her cubs, he paced to and fro, this way and that. His curly hair he tore out in clumps. He ripped off his finery like a thing taboo he cast it away. And Gilgamesh orders for a statue of his friend Enkidu to be erected, and jewels and gold buried with him. He says, I'm less a man without my friend. Again, it is a moment of rarity and development of his character that the hero shows his vulnerability as he mourns his dead companion, and the realisation of his own brittle mortality drowns him in fear. So he goes in search of Rutanapishti, survivor of the flood, who was given life eternal by the gods, hoping to gain the secret to immortality. Here notably, this flood survival story is much like the Christian story of Noah's Ark that appears later. For example, when the flood has seemingly calmed, Utenapishti sent out a raven, a sparrow and a dove respectively in the story. This is enough similarity to the Christian story for one to suspect. There's probably some kind of connection between the two. But back to the main story. Now travelling with Utenapishti's boatman, Uashanabi, Gilgamesh is advised to dive into the sea retrieve a coral-like plant which would help him become immortal. But after he had gotten the plant, while inattentive, a snake took it away, Gilgamesh realises he has lost his last hope to eternal life. Here, the theme of the epic starts to become apparent. In realisation of the inevitability of mortal death, he travels back to his city Uruk and he demands for his companion to climb up its city walls and look on his land and people. He says, Survey its foundations. Examine the brickwork. Were its bricks not fired in an oven? Did the seven sages not lay its foundations? Dot dot dot. Half a square mile the Temple of Ishtar. Three square miles and a half is Wuruk's expense. The continual nature of his race transcends his own mortality. And arguably, there is a certain irony in this. The city of Wuruk nowadays has ceased to exist, but the legends of Gilgamesh has lived through time, and we're hearing about them now. Thank you for listening. See you in the next episode.